now here's your host, Gabriel Rutledge. Hey! It's the Rutledge Podcast. Uh, I'm in my mobile studio again. It's my car. Uh, unlike the last two uh, mobile studio recordings, I'm actually mobile in my mobile studio. I'm driving right now. Uh, hands-free, don't worry. I'm holding two microphones, but I'm driving hands-free. No, I have my headphones. That's what I'm recording with. Sorry about the sound quality. I just knew this was my best option uh, for recording this week. Uh, where am I? Somewhere in Oregon. Canyonville. I'm around Canyonville, Oregon. I'm driving right now. Uh, home of Seven Feathers Casino. They used to have a show there, of course, a comedy show. It was called Monday Fun Day or some shit like that. A very, very rare to get a Monday show. Uh, but I, man, I did it a bunch of times. Uh, this guy booked. <laughs> this guy booked it. Uh, his name was Juan Canopy. Uh, he was Hawaiian. Uh, I don't know if his parents were Star Wars fans or not. He was probably old enough that he was born before Star Wars. So I think Juan Canopy is just an unfortunate... Uh, it became an unfortunate name. It was probably somewhat fine when he was born, but then an entire life of Juan Kenobi? No, Kenobi. Uh, he would book... He was a strange person. I say strange because he died. All my stories are fun. Uh, I say it was strange because he died, is what I meant to say. I, he was a, uh, he was a really interesting guy. Like, he would, he taught firearm safety. He booked comedy shows. He did comedy shows, kind of. And he was an actor. So you would show up to this gig at Seven Feathers Casino and there would be a highlight reel playing on the screen before the show started of, of Juan's acting roles. And it was mostly stuff like Sheriff Number Two and Third Deputy. I mean, he would have lines occasionally, but it was just like this highlight reel of him on screen going like, do you know how fast you were going? And then it would flash to the next scene in a different TV show. And I, I mean, I'm not downplaying. I mean, he got some work. I mean, shit. He lived in Grants Pass, Oregon, and he got he got some acting work. But it was, it was just one of those funny things where it was like, <laughs> every time I did the show, his highlight reel would be playing. Uh, before the show, and then he'd be like, what do you got going on? What do you got? I'm like, nothing. Really? Just doing comedy. I mean, it's not as good as your fake law enforcement career, but... Uh, but yeah, he was, a, he was a pilot also. I think he even gave flying lessons, but, uh, you know, he, something happened, and he, he died. Anyway, that wraps up the podcast for today.
Juan Kenobi died in a plane crash. All my stories have a good ending. He actually booked the room in Grants Pass uh, that I used video from to get on uh, Live at Gotham on Comedy Central. The video I almost didn't send because he was Hawaiian, so it was Hawaiian-themed. It was like a tiki room backdrop, and I almost didn't send the video because I'm like, Comedy Central will reject this immediately because it looks so ridiculous, but... Uh, I was in, uh, oh man, I just realized I'm out of coffee. Sad. It's one of the worst times of my day when I realize I'm out of coffee. Or I'm not allowed to drink anymore. According to doctor's recommendations. Uh, with Starbucks, which isn't, I don't like Starbucks coffee, and I'm not saying that like I'm a coffee elitist. I mean, I'll, I'll take a, I'll take a local coffee shop. I got no problem with that. I'll throw the hair in a man bun and fucking go in. I don't care. But I'm not. I also, uh, I like Dunkin' Donuts coffee. I like Dutch Brothers, which is like all over Southern Oregon. Uh, but I didn't go to those places. Well, they don't, I don't know if they have Dunkin' in Southern Oregon. But I did not go to Dutch Brothers this morning because... Uh, they don't have bacon egg bites. And I know they do at Starbucks, so that's how they got me. That's how they got me. I said, I'll take a venti black coffee to the Starbucks lady. I actually said venti black coffee, no room. And she was like, Cream and sugar? No. <laughs> yeah, I want cream and sugar, but I want you to put it in with no room. It didn't even, it didn't make sense. She caught herself and started laughing and you know, it's just habit. I get someone says coffee and you go cream and sugar, but I would say that happens thirty percent of the time I say black coffee. They go cream and sugar? I'm like, well it wouldn't be black then, would it? I guess Maybe, maybe it's my fault. You could put sugar in a black coffee. Anyway, I like my coffee like I like my women. Uh, with unnecessary questions. I was in uh, Talon, Oregon last night. Uh, originally, I was going to do Talon, Oregon on the Thursday. And then I was going to do Medford Friday, Saturday. I actually got in a little bit of trouble from the Medford booker. Because they're like, Talon, Oregon is like 10 minutes south of Medford. So I don't really want you to do Talon. Actually, she didn't even care. She was like, I think the Medford Club will be mad you're doing Talon. And then I talked to people who know the Medford Club. And they're like, they're not going to give a shit. And then it didn't matter. Because it canceled. Uh, I talked about that last week. It canceled because they couldn't find enough employees to run their restaurant, sports bar, comedy club. But then I guess they found them. And it is going to reopen, but just not this week. It's going to be next week. Uh, but I was a little annoyed that I even got, you know, they're like, oh, I don't want you to do talent. I wanted to say to the booker, like, look at my schedule. Half of it is things like 
Steve's backyard. Give me a fucking break. I'm coming out of a pandemic here. <laughs> I'm trying to fill my calendar. Stop giving me shit about adding Talon, Oregon to my Medford weekend. But anyway, Medford went away. Uh, but I kept the talent show. And uh, even though it did not make sense geography-wise, because I mean, I had to drive, what, about six and a half hours there, do two shows on a Thursday, and now I'm driving about six and a half hours back. And I actually, uh, I'm doing a, it's not a backyard show, I'm doing doing a comedy show in someone's apartment lounge tonight. Cause there's no business like show business. Just call when you get there and I'll give you the door code. And then uh, Saturday I'm doing a show in Bremerton. Uh, you can't go to these. This, <laughs> this is coming out after. But my point is, I managed to find two shows 10 days before uh, the dates. Like, my show's canceled, and I, I, I guess that's one thing I've learned uh, during the pandemic is I can really uh, cut out the middleman of booking agent and venue and just throw up on Facebook, uh, hey, who wants me to do a comedy show? And, uh, you know fill my own calendar. Now, is that a long-term business model? God, I hope not. I mean, it's fun. It's fun to do... I would say my success rate on a private backyard and or apartment lounge show is probably better than your standard bar gig. But I don't know. There's a little of the mystique of a performer that goes away when you drag your karaoke machine into someone's house. Uh, <laughs> and I'm grateful for everyone who's doing it and the money is great and uh, I'd rather do that than not perform. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't, I don't want to have to do so many of these next summer. I hope next summer I do a couple because I'm busy doing comedy clubs. Uh, but maybe not. Also, I've done so many of them around Olympia, I feel like no one's going to come see me at the Washington Center because they're like, why are we going to pay $20 to see him in a theater when he'll come to our backyard and uh, we can feed him cheeseburgers? Uh, but that's probably just paranoia. I don't, you know. They are fun. Uh, I did one that was not fun this year. Uh, and that was for the class of 1977. <laughs> uh, Spanaway High, class of 1977. And uh, that was in a park. You, know? <laughs> you see what I mean about the mystique? <laughs> I'm in a covered area in a park for the class of 1977. What's left of them? And... Uh, plug it in my karaoke machine next to an outdoor sink. And I'm like, well, I'm happy to be doing this gig, but this is a turn in the show business road I didn't see coming. 
my shows last night were pretty fun. Pretty, I've been to talent. I'm not bragging, but I've been to talent a lot. I've been to everywhere in Southern Oregon a lot. As I say in my unpublished new book, uh, if the road to comedy success was paved through Southern Oregon, I would be Kevin fucking Hart. <laughs> I've done so much comedy in Southern Oregon. Uh, so I, I was in talent. It was weird to be there because uh, I was there last July, uh, which was a much different time in the pandemic. It was the time of the pandemic where I'm like, I don't know if I should be doing this. You know, it was the time where people wanted to shake my hand after the show and I'd be like, let's do an elbow. And I don't even really want to do the elbow bump. Uh, so, as it, you know, obviously the pandemic's not over, uh, but it seems to be in a better spot. Um, so that was, it was kind of nice to go back under more relaxed circumstances. Uh, we probably didn't need to do two shows on a Thursday. We probably could have just done one, but uh, that's all right. It's funny, the uh, the first show was uh, uh, better attended, but it, I don't know if this is a post-pandemic thing, or maybe I'm just noticing it more, but <laughs> I find more people just disagreeing with me in the setup to the joke, like out loud disagreeing with me. Uh, like I said, Brad Pitt is 57 on stage and a woman's like, no, he's not, he's 52, which he's not. We Googled it, he is 57. But I mean, even if you thought he was 52 and the comedian on stage said 57, just go for the ride, just go for the ride. And I've also, I've got a newer joke about uh, a prostate check, which is a pretty hacky topic, but uh, I don't know. I had, a, I had a funny thing happen on my way to the prostate check. That's the name of my next Broadway play. A funny thing happened on the way to a prostate check. Uh, so I'm like, this, I think this story is a unique enough experience that I do want to tell the joke, even though it's sort of a you know, old man talking about getting his prostate checked might be uh, kind of well-worn territory, but I don't know how long I've been uh, working on this, performing some version of this joke. Four to six weeks, I'd say. Three times I have brought up a prostate check and, and a dude in the crowd will out loud be like, no, not doing it. <laughs> like... It's optional. Uh, I, had to get, uh, I had to get a prostate check. Uh, a hush falls over the room. I'm sorry. No, but not here. No? No prostate check. No, no prostate. Is this a rally? What, is what do we want? Not a prostate check. When do we want it? Never. We're here. We're queer. That doesn't mean we want it checked. I didn't know I could opt out. I guess I, I guess that's what everyone does now. That's what
what we're down to as a cult. I never have to check your prostate. I'm like, nah, it's a hoax. <laughs> Who told you? Fauci? I call bullshit. Bullshit on this whole prostate thing. The flu kills more people than prostate cancer. <laughs> Second show, uh, second show was uh, less attended. Some people stayed from the first show, which is always kind of a mind fuck. But then uh, the good, it was all different comedians, except for me on the second show. And so I would say five people from the first show stayed until I got up on stage. And then I opened with maybe three or four minutes of different stuff. And then I kind of went back and did some stuff I'd done the first show. And then the, I see them all get up and leave, which is fine. I actually felt better when they left. But it's just a funny feeling to like see five people go like, oh, yeah, that's from the first show. Let's get the fuck out of here. I'm like, I'm sorry. Did you want two separate hours of material on your Thursday night in talent? No. They weren't even mad at me. They were they were great. Uh, you know, uh, it's just fun to go from like they were very complimentary of me after my first set. They bought T-shirts, and then like ninety minutes later, they're like, "Yeah, I think we don't need to see this again." It's Thursday, you know. We got shit to do tomorrow. But it was it's kind of fun to have a very loose show in front of, man, I'm going to say 12-ish people, maybe four or five of that 12 was other comedians. Uh, those are, I don't want to do that all the time, but it's kind of fun because you really go off script, uh, sort of because you have to, um, and, you know, and then I always end up, you know, at the end of the night, I had like three or four things that I'm like, oh, maybe that's a bit. Maybe it's not. You know, that's that's how comedy works, though. You go, maybe that's funny. Maybe I can recreate that moment. And uh, sometimes you can't, sometimes you can't. But I had, I had a thing kicking around in my head. I think I tweeted it once uh, for, I mean, over a year, I've had this idea kicking around in my head and I never thought I would try it on stage because it just didn't seem like, I didn't even know how to bring up the topic or, and then last night, uh, this guy started giving me advice. And so I made a joke that he was a life coach. And then I'm like, oh yeah, now's the time to share my thoughts about life coaches. Maybe that's why I'm not working out. I just, I just had a breakthrough. Thank you. Do you work at home as a life coach? Because it's fucking working for me. I don't trust life coaches because I've never met an assistant life coach. Also, never met a life coach who didn't give me their card while being my Uber driver, so I don't trust that either. If you want to figure shit out, you figure shit out. Three and a half star, weirdo. <laughs> Everyone straight to head coach in the life game, I guess. No defensive coordinator. No 
No O-line coaches. Like, no, I'm running this shit. <laughs> will, will I try to do that on stage again? I don't know. Who knows? Hard to say. Uh, but that's what's fun. That's what's fun about a loose second show. And, you know, like I said, in front of uh, not that many people. I also, I, uh, I had my merch bag on stage. It was a big stage. Actually, a really big stage for how small the room is. But I, I had sort of in the back of the stage, I had my merch bag. And so uh, I kind of snuck up there and like grabbed my merch out when they were introducing a comic. And I also grabbed my hairbrush out because I can't go on stage without a freshly combed head of hair. But then I I had a hairbrush. I'm just holding a hairbrush and I'm like, okay, I have nowhere to leave this. I can't go back to my merch bag and stash my hairbrush. That would be very distracting to the show. So I'm like, okay, I'll just, (laughs) I'll just roll my hairbrush up in my shirt that I'm going to, for my merch pitch on stage, and then no one will see it. And then uh, I didn't really think about it. I just plopped my shirt down, started doing the show, and the girl in the front row was like, why'd you bring your hairbrush on stage? What's that? Oh, I'm sorry, you noticed that. (laughs) I pulled it out of my bag, and I'm like, I can't bring it back. (laughs) So now I just brought a hairbrush on stage like a fucking lunatic. And I'm like, I'll tuck it in my shirt, but you're too sharp! (laughs) This son of a bitch with a hairbrush! I do. And I'm going to point out, by the way, women get to brush their goddamn hair all the time. No one gives a shit. I pull it out. Is that a hairbrush? Son of a bitch, you don't wake up with smooth, delightful hair? Got so busted. It is true, though. I have to, like, sneak into the bathroom before comedy shows to brush my hair. Like, duck behind a dumpster in an alley like I'm doing illegal drugs. Like, no, no, I... No, officer, I'm just brushing my hair back here. Nothing to see. It's actually kind of fun because I, I had a few lols. Not lols like LOLs. Lols like L-U-L-L. When the LOLs L-U-L-L'd, uh, I would just comb my hair. I combed my hair like three or four times during that show. Just at any weird moment or weird audience interaction, i just pull the hairbrush out and comb my hair. And then they would clap. I'm like, prop comedy rules. I'm going to sell hairbrushes after the show. It's going to be my new merch. That might be too much to pack. <laughs> Maybe just a pocket comb. Get your uh, GabrielRutledge.com pocket comb. Can you imagine how shitty the hairbrush or comb would have to be? Uh, for me to buy enough of them to sell after shows. Just like some dollar store hairbrush that breaks immediately. Not my problem. I had someone offer to buy the hairbrush I was using on stage. Uh, Which was kind of weird. She's like, I'll buy that hairbrush. I'm like, why? 
so you can get my DNA and frame me for murders all over the world? No. I'm not falling for that again. I just realized I'm accidentally driving like 62 miles an hour in a 70 mile an hour zone. That's a family trait. My dad, when we were kids, and we'd be in the car, he'd be like, even like near our house on a road that was 35 miles an hour, I'd be like, why, why are you going 22? Like, oh, sorry. <laughs> That's, uh, usually it's the opposite. You know, a family with more, more motivation and, uh, more hustle would be like, oh, I accidentally looked down and I was going 84. Oops. <clears throat> Not the Rutledge family. We're like, oh, I was accidentally going 30 under. You know, like you do. I actually don't. I think I fall uh, in the... I'm very... Some people are uh, hustle culture about everything, or they're a type A personality. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have no microphone to move my throat clearing from. Sorry about that. Some people are just like A personality everything. Like if they're playing Monopoly, they got to fucking win. If they're going to work, they got to be the best. They got to be... I am not that... I don't give a shit if I win at Monopoly. Uh, I don't... Mine's more of a selective aggression, like they say in poker. You know, like when you have a good hand, you play very aggressive because that's the best strategy. Uh, if you don't have a good hand, nothing wrong with folding 40 times in a row. And that's how my, uh, that's how my life uh, hustle culture is. It's like, I, you know, I work very hard, not smart, but hard at, like, aspects of stand-up comedy. You know, filling my calendar, that kind of stuff. Working on material. Not that I sit down and write material, but, like, if I have the idea, I work it out and think about it. So I am consumed with that part of comedy, but I can also turn it off. I can also, like not one of those people who can't relax. I'm great at relaxing. Alright, I'm the best relaxer. I'm the number one re <laughs> It's like being aggressive about how good of a sleeper you are. I'm the best fucking sleeper you ever met in your life. I sleep in a way only other people can dream of when they're awake because I'm actually dreaming because I'm asleep. I guess what I'm saying is I work hard at stand-up comedy because I am uh, I'm pretty good at it. Like, even in the beginning, I wasn't great, but I was good enough that I was encouraged that I should work hard at it. I don't... I admire and pity people who seem to work really hard at things they're not good at. That's a, that's a tough road. I was actually thinking about that. I was talking to uh, Christy, former host of the Religious Podcast, uh, 
about our daughter, Olive, because she plays soccer. She doesn't... This part of what I'm going to say isn't the same. She's not... She doesn't work hard at soccer. Uh, She has no interest in, like, playing soccer outside of her team or talking about strategy or skills required to play soccer. But she loves soccer. She goes... Uh, happily to every practice, every game. You know, uh, she doesn't care if they win or lose, uh, which is good because they lose a lot. Uh, I mean, she likes winning, but it's not... The interesting thing is, um, she's not good at soccer. Uh, You know, I say this with great love. There couldn't be more love, but she's the worst player on the team. Um, I mean, she's the coolest fucking kid on the team. Let's let's get that straight. I'd rather have a cool kid than some fucking soccer dork if I had to choose. But my point is, she's not good at soccer, but it does not deter her from wanting to play. And... I kind of admire that because I am not able to do that. I mean, I don't know. Within reason, I'm I'm not a great bowler, but I'll bowl. But I probably wouldn't sign up for a league and be the worst bowler on my team. I wouldn't do that league again. I'd be like, that was embarrassing. I suck at bowling. I was in it for the shirts. I didn't know. Uh, but I don't know. I I do think at, at some age, Olive will probably be like, yeah, I don't like continuing this activity that I'm not great at. And also, the older you get, the more other kids and parents get mad at you for not being good. But she doesn't give a shit. I don't know where she gets that from, because I give all the shits. I was born giving a shit. My first words was, was that my fault? I give a shit. More than I should. But Olive, she'll do something dumb. She'll kick the ball right to the other team. They'll score a goal. Someone on her team will be like, Olive, what are you doing? And Olive will just like shrug and laugh and be like, oopsie daisies. It doesn't get to her. I even tried to talk to her about one kid on the team who was kind of hard on her. And I'm like, does that bother you? And she's like, oh, she yells at everyone. I don't care. God damn. I need to learn some life lessons for my 10-year-old. I need a a 10-year-old life coach to teach me to roll with the punches. But I also, as much as I admire her, I'm also like, you're going to quit eventually, right? Because I know, you know, sports just get more and more competitive. Uh, It's one thing to be like, if someone was like yelling at my 10-year-old, I would say something to him like, hey, they're 10, why don't you chill out? All right, it's the Hornets versus the Dreamcatchers or some, you know, ridiculous name. Let's just calm it down a little bit. But, you know, 
when they're in high school, part of the experience is the coach going, Rutledge, what the hell are you doing? I mean, that's... Of course sports don't matter. They never matter. But they matter more and more, and I don't, you know... I don't want that for her. I don't want my kid to be the worst on their uh, high school team. Uh, But I'm also not going to tell her to quit. If she wants to do it, do it. Uh, But yeah, that... (laughs) The reason I decided I didn't like math when I was in school is because I sucked at it. You know, when, it, when in whatever second grade, they're like, they're like, "What's seven times nine? And I was like, "I don't know." And they're like, "It's sixty-three." And I'm like, "Shit, I hate math." <laughs> Actually, multiplication tables was the only thing I liked because you didn't have to understand any mathematical concepts; you just had to memorize. I could get behind that. But it's weird. It's so funny. I'll try to tell. I'll try to tell all of like soccer things. Like, okay, what you need to do is like when you're playing defense, you know, don't pass the ball to the try to pass the ball to the middle to a teammate. You got to keep the ball out of the middle of the field. You got to go down the sideline. Yep, I know. She knows everything. She doesn't, but she says she knows everything. She's just like, yeah, I know how to play soccer. I'm killing it. I don't. Why are you telling me about this? like, okay, I don't think it's my job as your dad to convince you you suck at soccer, but I'm also like, I do. <laughs> There's a little room for improvement, isn't there? She's not playing goalie as much, which is good, because goalie, uh, any parent who has a kid that plays goalie, oh, God, is it stressful. Every time they take a shot or get ready to take a shot, the other team would be like, here we go. But when, when Olive would play goalie, she would say things like, whatever. She'd give up a goal and be like, yeah, but they kicked it like right at my face. How was I supposed to stop that? <laughs> I'm like, well, it's kind of implied in the job of goalkeeper that you throw a hand up or something to block it. But she'd just be like, well, they kicked it super hard right at me. What was I going to do, stand there like an asshole? Take a soccer ball off my head? No, I get out of the way. Well, whatever's working for you, sweetie. <clears throat> oh, I was going to say this about talent. Uh, when I was there last July, I don't know when it was last year, August or September, like half of talent burned down. I literally think three quarters of Phoenix, Oregon burned down, and that's like five more miles south, but I think it was like half a talent burned down. So when I was going down there, I didn't really know what I was going to see. I thought I'd just see like all this fire damage, and you could kind of see like blackened trees and stuff, but it really wasn't as obvious as I thought it was going to be. The only way you could tell is like across the street from the talent club, uh, because they, uh, whenever it happened, last September or whatever, I, I, you know, I follow the talent club on Facebook or whatever and they had this video where they like they showed there's like you know we're still here the fire didn't get us and then they showed across the street and it was just black and soot 
and everything was burnt to the ground. But now it's all like not quite done construction. So like driving through the town, you wouldn't really think they'd had a serious fire. It just looks like they built one side of the street uh, recently, which is what it looks like now. Uh, but yeah, I actually, oh, by the way, no bed bugs. Uh, yeah, I stayed in, a, I stayed in the Motel 6 and, uh, I don't think I got any more bed bug bites. I, I, I mean, I have PTSD. It's hard to fall asleep when you already still have some, uh, a little bit of itchiness left over from the last time you were in a hotel. It's kind of hard to drift off to sleep when you're like, was that one? My arm's itchy. Oh, that's from Cedars Inn in Wenatchee, Washington, room 129. That's not from here. But I think I was fine. I actually, I, I'm not bragging, but I've stayed at both Motel 6s in Medford, Oregon. Oh, the places you'll go. Dr. Seuss was right. Medford's a two Motel 6 town. Motel 12. Combined. See, I'm good at math. I thought I was staying at the... There's one a little farther south. I stayed at the North Medford Motel 6. The South Medford Motel 6 was the one I was familiar with. And that one was $100. And so I chose the one that was like 80. But... Uh, I, what I remember about that other... Medford Motel 6 is... Uh, we had a very, <laughs> I had the very unfortunate idea uh, when Johnny was probably two or one or three or one of those numbers uh, to just bring my wife and baby slash toddler on the road with me. Uh, and it was a disaster. I see other people do it with their babies, and I'm like, either theirs is also a disaster, or I just had too grumpy of babies. Like, you know, all my kids had acid reflux. They weren't chill babies. They screamed a lot. Uh, so it was really, it was really, I mean, a legendarily awful trip to, like, bring my family. I mean, you know, no, my wife wouldn't even want to drive five hours a day. My wife and baby was just a terrible idea. Uh, but we stayed at the Motel 6, and what I remember is, uh, it's right next to a Dairy Queen. I forget a lot of things, but I never forget a Dairy Queen. Uh, Jeff Brousseau, Seattle comedian. I think he still does comedy. He took some time off, but he's back. He's, uh, a hilarious dude. Known that guy forever. Um, but he was on that trip with me. Also staying at the Metro Motel 6. And this, Christy and I have not stopped saying this joke, and it's probably been 15 years, 16 years, 17 years. I'm not good at time. So we we were talking to Jeff Rousseau when we checked into the Motel 6. He's by himself because he's normal. I was with my wife and baby. And he said, like, we went to the Dairy Queen with him. And he's like, I think I'm going to get a blizzard. Not because they're tasty, but just because it's hot, you know, so I can cool down. 
you know, just being funny. I, I don't know if I've ever told Jeff Brousseau this. I should. Christy and I have, I mean, I haven't had ice cream in 15 years without saying to Christy, not that it, it's tasty. It's just, you know, because it's hot. It's a nice, cool treat. And she says the same thing to me. And it has been, like I said, 15 years at least. And we have not stopped saying that to each other. So I guess my point is, you never know when you're going to change someone's life. A throwaway comment by Jeff Brousseau uh, has bonded Christy and I in stupidity for a decade and a half. Uh, not because it tastes good, just because, you know, it's hot out. I also remember that trip that uh, one of the shows was in uh, Klamath Falls, Oregon. Which, uh, I will say this about Klamath Falls, Oregon. Some beautiful scenery, but it's the kind of town where you just drive through and you're like, Jesus Christ. Like, if you hang out in the Walmart parking lot for 30 minutes, you're like, is this... Uh, where they film Intervention and Hoarders. Like, just rough, small town. You know, maybe it's changed. I haven't been there in a while. I do feel like small towns have changed a little bit. It's more, you know, it's more... There's always, like, some fusion restaurant next to the diner in a small town now. It's definitely more people who moved there on purpose than there used to be. But when I went to Klamath Falls that many years ago, I was like, this town is rough. And we also did a show, a comedy show at Molly's Truck Stop. So we weren't seeing the best part of town anyway. Uh, and Jeff and I had our headshots up at Molly's Truck Stop. And one of us had like our eyes axed out in the headshot. And then I believe uh, on my headshot, uh, someone drew a swastika on my forehead. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, fun show, fun town. Uh, we, we, we performed to people who just weren't listening. Uh, and I remember, I only remember this because Jeff remembers it. And I probably would not say this now, but whatever, 16 years ago, I just, I started my show. No one was listening. And so I don't know why I just go, I just read this article that said most truckers are gay. And like all the truckers' heads snapped around. And then I go, oh, now you're fucking paying attention. And then I did my show, not to wild success, but more success than I probably would have had if I hadn't got their attention with that dumb, you know. Uh, <laughs> I probably wouldn't do that, no. I probably wouldn't. Even at a trucker place, I probably would not open the show with like, you guys seem gay. Uh, I don't know. I think being a trucker is kind of like being in a prison you drive. So I think even if you have sex with men as a trucker, I don't think that makes you gay. It's just about your options. When I get out, I'm going to fuck a woman. But uh, until I get home at this flying J... 
whatever happens between me and Earl, our business. Frictions, frictions out here on the road. There's something satisfying about driving, uh, you know, down the freeway and then the other direction, the other side of the freeway has a traffic jam, but your side doesn't. Now, if you, if eventually you're going to have to turn around and come back, then you're like, ah, shit, I hope that's cleared up by the time I have to do that. But there is, it is, I mean, I feel bad for the people stuck in traffic. That could have been me yesterday. But there is something about being on the smooth side of the road where you're like, no problems over here. Fuck those guys. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, I shouldn't have said that because now I'll be on the bad side. Uh, if I believed in luck. You ever notice whenever someone wins something, they go, and I never win anything. Whatever, the raffle, they win a raffle. That's incredible, I won the toaster, I never win anything. Yeah, no one wins anything. That's how odds work. <laughs> what a human reaction. What a human bullshit spin that we do where we feel unlucky because we're not winning things that the odds are stacked against us. I never win the lottery. God hates me. Huh? Oh, that's a good way to wrap up. Uh, hopefully the sound quality of this was not terrible. Uh, I don't have my calendar in front of me. Uh, I don't know if I have anything to promote really anyway. GabrielRutledge.com uh, has all of my comedy dates on there. Uh, I don't think I have anything in the too near future I need to tell you about. Maybe uh, Salem, Oregon on in August. I have an Auburn, Washington thing in August. Uh, Little Rock, Arkansas in August. I don't remember the exact days of any of these. Um, Oh, I have a show in Seattle, uh, July 30th. I forgot about that one. At the Elks Club in Seattle on uh, July 30th. I just remembered that one. Uh, I expect... Uh, hope I hope it still happened. The booker was like, yeah, the first few were like sold out, but the last one, like, no one was there. So I don't know what's going on. I'm like, okay. Uh, I'm always there when things don't work out. I'm unlucky. Luck is where preparation meets opportunity. Bad luck is where preparation meets opportunity. And it doesn't go well anyway. Uh, thanks to the Rutledge Revelers. That's what, uh, that's what I call the people who uh, monthly give money to this podcast. Uh, if you would like to do that, um, cool. Uh, go to the episode notes, click on support this podcast for as little as 99 cents a month. You can buy me bacon egg bites or help buy egg and bake bites. 
Aiken Bagbites? Is that what I just fucking said? Aiken Bagbites. Holy shit. Maybe I didn't sleep that good in that Motel 6. Uh, thank you to everyone, even if you don't give me money. Uh, this podcast is free and it's worth it. Oh, real quick. Uh, I almost forgot. I almost forgot. Um, I'm not, there will be no podcast, uh, next week. Because I will be in Hawaii. Hawaii, I, Juan Kenobi's motherland. Um, I will be family vacation, uh, with my wife, my children, and my mother-in-law and her boyfriend it feels funny to call a guy boyfriend who's 80 but whatever so yeah we'll be I'll be in Hawaii so I'm definitely not gonna have a podcast episode for at least one week possibly two but at least one uh, so I just wanted to give you a quick heads up on that and I should not have shot my mouth off about traffic on the other side because I am now slowing down to 35 miles an hour on my side of the freeway. Son of a bitch! Show's over. We're done. Bye.